Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bercher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. And this is episode 134, Growing Smaller Part 2. So a couple of weeks ago, I did an episode called Growing Smaller about sort of um, the new capitalism, if you will, in the example of my brewery, where I sort of said, can we look at our expense column in the balance sheet or the profit and loss sheet instead of hyper being hypersensitive about the revenues column, right? So think about this. And I wanted to, I guess I wanted to follow up with that with a part two about the smaller part. So I talked a little bit about growing and sort of how we move forward and how we do this. But in a business sense, what, you know, the things that are on your expense column or the things that you spend money on, you've got your fixed goods and you've got your costs of goods sold. The fixed goods are, or the fixed costs, I'm sorry, are, are things like the utility bill, maybe that's not a bad example, or rent or, you know, membership fees, um, to a certain degree, your kind of base salary, and then your cost of goods sold are things that scale with production. So at really low levels of production or, or whatever, your cost of goods sold is low. And that sort of changes. And you can sort of like ignore that, right, and sort of account for an average cost of goods sold for a single good and use that as a multiplier. Of course, as you get really big, those costs per unit um, get lower because you get economies of scale. But anyway, um, you know those are the expenses that we think about when we look at businesses. But what I really want to think about is sort of an individual. Like the whole idea of this growing smaller uh, is really well. The whole idea of everything I talk about anymore on Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom is there is the individual, and then there is the individual in the community. And I think. What's evolving for me in my mind is a set of tenets or regulatory truisms, uh, if you will, or kind of laws, rules, norms. I don't know. What, I don't know what they are. Right? They're not absolute. They're changeable. They're dynamic. But they, I think they apply to individuals, and they also apply to things like governments and communities and the whole civilization. Right? We can look at these things the same way. Uh, we can look at it as an individual needs to go through their own kind of personal growth. We need to understand what our values are, get our needs met, uh, learn to process our feelings, have communication with other people. The same thing can be said for governments, right? We need what are our values, uh, what are the mechanisms through which we can actually get these needs met. It's the same thing, uh, as Paul Godot would say uh, in his book, <laughs> Integrity and Peace. Uh, these things are all the same thing. They overlap, um, at least to certain degrees. And so what I want to talk about today is what would we do as an individual, right? And one of the things that I am kind of hypersensitive about, maybe you've seen something, maybe it's related to sort of the minimalists. If you've seen these guys, they have a couple of Netflix specials and they talk about loving people and using things and not the other way around and sort of decreasing the clutter in your life. I know there was, um, there's been other shows about sort of getting rid of things that don't bring you joy and just, you know, and, and all that goes towards being a smarter consumer, consuming less and not being the domesticated version of yourself that society wants you to be and just buy all kinds of crap in order to keep the capitalist, you know, pipeline running, right? We, we need to stop doing those things before we can dismantle the uh, flawed systems that we have. And so one of the things we can do then growing smaller is simply buy less crap. And that's a, that's a great example of, of a very easy thing to do. And, th- and this, this all goes up toward, you know, the echo 
prefix to my scientific training, ecology, the study of our home. Of course, in terms of ecology, our home being the earth, right? Very specifically, one could argue that it's the universe. One could argue that it's your continent. One could argue that it's your community. And then when you look at the field of economics, it's the same thing, right? The study of, or, you know, the, 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 a way of looking at organizing your home, except in this case, economics is talking about your budget, right? And so we're really talking about sort of like the echo metaphysics of being a human. And interestingly enough there, if you think about those terms, economics and ecology, you know, ec- economics is a made up thing, right? It's kind of like, um, I, I dare I say it's like a religion or a dogma, not saying that science isn't made up, you know, it, but ecology is at least looking at real things and observing their interactions. Whereas economics is the thing we made up to sort of move numbers around and look at uh, income and expenses. And, and it really, ultimately, that's what we're talking about, but I'm not talking literally about just money, right? It's things that are coming in and things that are going out. And so the first thing you have to do in sort of the most minimalist sense is figure out what it is you want. Because one of the fundamental aspects of analyzing and managing your personal home expenses, your individual expenses, and sort of your energetic expenses as a human is figuring out what you want. Before you figure out what you want, you got to talk about what you need. And people like Marshall Rosenberg, the nonviolent communications guy, and many psychologists will say that every human, every biological organism to a certain degree, needs the same things. And, the, and it's a Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, uh, right? You've, you've got your basic sort of physiological, biological needs that you have to meet, like water and food, and then shelter and safety right? I think everybody can agree on those things. And then there's probably a handful of others that are super critically important, you know, and there's sort of a continuum of levels at the foundation of this, like your base needs, those would be some. And then things like feeling like you belong, connectedness, or some, you know, part of being aware that you're part of something bigger than yourself. Because, you know, I think, I think it's lonely if you think, you know, it's kind of like, What's the meaning of life? If there's, no, if there's no meaning, then I'm a nihilist and I'll just like, why well, I might as well die. So having some sense of purpose and meaning, a sense of purpose, something that you actually make a contribution to the world instead of just taking, you know, that there's this, if you are connected, and this is going to be an upcoming episode, if you are connected, then it isn't just a one-way street. Connectivity is a, it, is a, is a multi-directional uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> polydirectional dynamic thing, not just one, you know, feeling a tether to the earth. It's a much bigger than that. And then, and then at some point we stop talking about things that we need because we literally could live without them. Right. And we get into the realm of wants. And I don't think very many people, myself included, although I'm doing the work to try to learn this can really differentiate between needs and wants. And that's where I'm talking about for the home budget thing. And so if you want to talk about dollars, and one of the things that we can sort of do to minimize or smallerize, right, growing smaller, our consumerism is to think about the things you spend money on in the context of needs and wants. You know, like, for example, you know, well, and, and then after that, and I heard this guy on the Great Simplification podcast. He was a farmer, and he talked about 
trying to focus really heavily on his needs. He's kind of a good example of an off the grid type um, homesteader, you know, that grew all his food. And he's like, and I think they said they grew 85% of their food on his farm. And he's like, what, but I still have a smartphone. You know, I still have wants that I allow myself to have, but I think about it very carefully. You know, the, the tchotchke knickknacks that you buy at Target in the front of the store for a dollar because you think they're cute and you need to meet some sort of, you know, uh, misunderstood need that you think spending money is going to make you happy or whatever, because we do that. That's not the same thing as, you know, admitting that I really like to listen to podcasts in my car. The only way I can do that is a smartphone. And so this is something that I have. But an example that I can think of is, you know, we have Netflix and we have a couple of those subscription services as TV. We don't have cable. And we choose to pay the extra money not to see the commercials. That's all of that is a want, you know, but it's one of those wants that, you know, I justify by saying this is a, you know, this is a thing that everyone in my family benefits from in some way. And we're not willing to do the work to remove that from, you know, to, to get that far away from the status quo, so to speak. And so doing, being able to do this analysis is critical. And I don't think anybody ever does it. You know, it's like, it's like the work I'm doing right now. Understanding your emotions and how those connect to needs, I, I had no idea how far away from understanding myself I was. I thought I totally got that. You know, it's sort of like ecology. When I used to teach ecology, a lot of it is intuitive, right? Species live in a population and they got to reproduce. And, you know, each generation they have some, can they have more? And then these things happen. You kind of get that, right? You can kind of be like, so somebody would say, describe a life history of... Uh, um, a plains antelope. You know, they might be able to get pretty close, uh, but they don't really understand it like a full-blown savanna ecologist does, right? You think you get it, but then you try to explain it to somebody and you're like, ah, oh, man, I don't, I guess I don't really understand it. The same thing with, I think, needs and wants and values. So I think fundamentally at the beginning of a lot of this stuff, um, and I'm, I'm working on this model, once you have awareness and you can sort of manage your attention and you learn uh, to sort of uh, understand your reactive behavior and some of your limiting beliefs. And then you can you do practices like journaling and meditation and exercise that that builds you this power to sort of you take the observer perspective and see what's happening. That buys you a little minute to make a choice about whether or not you're going to insert these automatic behaviors like buying, buying the tchotchke at Target before you even realize what's happening, or if you're going to actually make a decision about what you might want to do differently. All this stuff goes into the early work of sort of growing smaller. <laughs> you know, Before you can actually start to grow smaller, you have to do this foundational stuff. That again, I think all individuals being born on earth do sort of automatically as kids and then we unlearn it as we grow up and then if you're lucky you get another opportunity somewhere in your life middle age a traumatic experience a death a divorce a birth of a child a lot of these things can trigger these sort of what we used to call midlife crises but i see now as like a secondary opportunity to reconnect to uh, our 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 home uh, and and so so there's a lot there's a lot going on. But if you've made it this far in, <laughs> into this podcast and listened to other episodes, you understand all that sort of early work. But this is really part of the personal inventory. And in order to do that, you know, you have to say, what is it that I need? And and a good and a good and then and differentiate those between your wants. And a good way into this is another element of personal growth on some of that early work. It's realizing what pisses you off, what makes you reactive. 
how might that be linked to some unmet needs and potentially even some trauma? Those are good ways of getting at your, and it's funny how all this bad stuff, like, you know, when I was talking about nonviolent communication to my friend, Eric, he was like, man, that sounds like a lot of work. And yeah, you're damn right. It's this, all this stuff is a lot of work. So, I mean, a lot of people probably don't care, uh, but I do fundamentally think that this is very important to living a full uh, human life. Um, and so, uh, 12 minutes in, let's, you think about things like rent. You know, think about a typical budget, and you can Google uh, budget line items, uh, American household, or whatever, and you can find a list of these things. You know, you've got insurance. You've got your vehicle, you've got your rent, you've got your grocery bill, um, you've got utilities, you've got things like Netflix, you've got your phone bill, um, all uh, uh, non-insurance related health care, right? You, you, got the, you have these things. And I think it's amazing the number of people that don't really know what this is. I know I didn't, because, you know, but I'm different because I grew up sort of saying, here's my check. This has to last the month. And then I would just sort of scale my life to fit that. Uh, and it wasn't very hard because, you know, I was either, uh, you know, I, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't spend a lot of money sort of naturally, but that's potentially maybe trauma-related why I'm so frugal and maybe not a good thing because I have sort of a negative or unhealthy relationship with money. But I don't have the problem of sort of getting into debt which I think a lot of people, especially in July 2023, are really falling into the trap of because they don't understand um, uh, compounding interest and what getting, how much trouble getting into debt can get you. But, but other than that, um, you, know, you, have these, you have these needs once. Now, one of my favorite things I see is somebody being like, um, I can't afford to live in San Francisco. And it's like, well, no shit. If rent is $3,500 a month for like a comparable apartment to what you can get where I am for $850, $1,000, then yeah, you have a problem. Unless you're making three times the money. So around here, let's just take for an example. Around here, you can easily make $35,000, $40,000. And that sucks. See that episode. See several episodes of mine about how working sucks. That's <laughs> that's your whole rent in San Francisco. That wouldn't pay your rent in San Francisco. But you can live here okay. You it's possible, you know. So uh, uh, to say that to you would have to make a hundred thousand dollars in San Francisco just to pay your rent, or you know, you'd have to make that thirty five just to pay your rent. But the equivalent in a big city, expensive city, would be three times the salary. And I don't know, maybe people are making that. My point is that if you look at your budget and you are trying to grow smaller and you go, but my rent is $3,500, an option for you could be to move, to relocate to a rural area. Now, that's when you have to, this is how the process works. Then you go, but I need to live in San Francisco. I need to live in Austin. Uh, I need to live in New York City in Manhattan. Well, let's think about that. Is that a need or a want? And then you have to make the decision for yourself. Maybe it is a want, but maybe it's a want that you're not willing to let go of. In which case, you got to make it all work out. And maybe that maybe you make that work out by taking on four roommates and somehow reducing your rent to $2,000 a month. But just being aware of that and being aware of the trade-offs that you're making inherent to that line item on your budget sheet. 
Now, a couple of things we can't really control. Well, my my case, I look at our budget uh, increasingly as I age, especially, and I go, man, this healthcare one, which includes like insurance and healthcare costs, is getting bigger seemingly every month. Not just because of my age, but just because of the state of affairs in the United States. I'm paying more and more for a lower and lower quality item. Now, I can say, all right, well, there's a couple things I can do. One, I can say I'm willing to accept more risk. Let's pay lower premiums, higher deductibles, whatever, and just sort of hope nothing happens. You know, like not carrying dental insurance and paying for, you know, can be, it can be cheaper to not carry dental insurance and pay for two cleanings a year. But if you got a problem, cavity or, you know, bigger problem than that, you're going to end up spending more money than you would have with dental insurance. But that's a gamble some people are willing to make. But my point is, that's one of those expenses that you have to be comfortable with or not comfortable with. If you're not comfortable with risk, well, you're going to be paying a lot of insurance or you could move to a different country. You know, if you have the privilege of being able to do that, it's, it is an option. And if you don't consider it an option, if you don't weigh the option, then you're not doing, you're not growing smaller. <laughs> you're just accepting the bigness of your budget. Um, and then, of course, the big one before all that is like, well, the, the very first step, I guess, going back a little bit is saying, can I afford to pay for this thing? If the answer is no, then you don't get it. Um, that's, that's a, you know, I guess, probably a fundamental tenet of growing smaller. You don't, or you say, I can put it on credit and here are the terms. I can buy this house at a 7% uh, interest rate and my loan payment is this, but I think the house is going to be worth it. And maybe that's a, maybe that's a good decision. Uh, but probably it isn't. If you know my my and again I'm privileged, but even when I was broke, I never had a credit card interest. I carried credit cards and I used them for the points and the benefits and to build my credit, but I always paid it off. I never put something on a credit card that I didn't think I could pay off that month. And that's not to say I had a whole lot of stuff, but that's that's my whole strategy, right now. I might consider paying an interest fee or whatever it is to get something if it was a need or a very severe want. But if it wasn't really close to the need column, it ain't going to happen. And that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of behavior you need to do. And food, well, food is a great one. If you're eating, if you're getting coffee and eating dinner kind of meals out, especially if you have you know, if you're more than just an individual or a couple, you're probably spending more money on your food line item than you could if you ate at home. Now, I'm not saying there are scenario there aren't scenarios where eating out is actually cheaper uh, than grocery shopping, and maybe it's part of a lifestyle like living in Manhattan that you're again willing to say it's a want, but that is a want. And if it's about convenience, it's still a want. You can pack your lunch like. I look at my kids, and granted, they're teenagers, and I did the same sort of thing, but if adults are doing this, it's crazy. If you're buying like a fancy latte every day for four or five bucks, sure, that's 20, 25 bucks a week. That's probably nothing. It's not going to come up you know, bigger than a 1% of your whole budget, even if you add it up over the year. However, the problem is those are the nickels and the dimes. Those suckers add up. When I did the brewery analysis, it wasn't the $10,000 line item that I needed to shave off. 
It was the hundreds of fifty to hundred and two hundred dollar line items that you don't think are significant, and they aren't by themselves, but they're all part of a bigger habit. And generally, that habit in that fuzzy area between the need and the want is basically saying. I don't like my life. My job sucks. I am uncomfortable. I am disappointed. Therefore, I deserve to treat myself to these things in order to balance that out, right? I mean, I think that's the fundamental sort of thing everybody goes through. And that's how we excuse spending money on those little line item things that add up to be 5, 10, 20% of your annual budget. Well, one way to fix that is get rid of the job you don't like, you know, and 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 sort of the the crazies into this, and and then and you can find all kinds of data on the internet with actual real budgets. The sailing community is really good about this. A lot of people will share their actual budget of people who have said, you know what, I'm going to quit my job, and I might work some part time side hustle, but I'm not. I'm, I'm getting off. I'm getting out of the rat race, and here's how I'm going to do it. I'm not going to make much money, and so what I'm going to do is spend less money. Right. And so, and, 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 and this is one of the ways that we do that. Right. We say, you, you no longer have this um, compensatory feel good spending part because you, ha- you, you don't have the weight of the job you don't like kind of driving you to pick up the tchotchkes and the daily lattes or whatever because that's what you deserve for going to work. And it's true. You do deserve all that stuff. Problem is, that's all part of the conspiracy trap. <laughs> that's all part of the domestication. That's all part of you being a good consumer and a good taxpayer and fueling all of these things so that all the debt gets paid back to the banks and all the fat cats, um, white men make a whole lot of money. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about the smaller part and, and hopefully that gets to it. And it really comes down to this sort of, you know, uh, this, this example of a budget. Now, uh, it can be a spiritual budget, but mostly it's a financial budget at first. Uh, but certainly the spiritual budget weighs in for decisions like, should I just quit my job? Uh, and, and once you figure out the difference between needs and wants, this is a great pathway to sort of complete that entire personal inventory of emotions, needs, uh, and and. Um, Kind of, and and sort of your 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 spiritual and financial budget, and then now you have the baseline for all the decisions that you need to make. You have the filters through which you can make all your decisions that you're faced with in life because you understand your motivation and your needs, and you know whether those needs are being met. And then you can make decisions to meet the ones that are unmet. And really, you know, that's the secret to life, I think. And so. That's the second part of Growing Smaller. This has been episode 134. I'm Chris Bercher. Knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. I will see you next week. Thanks. Take it easy.